cow coming in. Welcome back to the Decoy Dogger podcast. I'm your host, Homer James. Today we talked to Joey Hartley. He's out in Kentucky, runs a couple of decoy dogs. Uh, pretty good little conversation about uh, maybe some of the few of the differences uh, between hunting here out in the West and, and what he has in uh, in Kentucky. So stay tuned. Joe Hartley, appreciate you joining us on the podcast day. How are you, man? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. Hey, tell me about, uh, tell me about yourself. Uh, of course, this is a dogger podcast, so talk about uh, maybe how you got into decoying as well. Yeah, um, so we're out here in Kentucky, and I think I first saw guys dogging on a YouTube when I was in high school. And back then, I mean, I didn't even coyote hunt. I don't think I've seen a coyote with my own eyes at that point in my life, but I was just amazed by it. And uh, started coyote hunting and started seeing guys working with dogs, and I knew I, I had to do it. It was just getting everything lined up right. And, uh, you know, I decided that I wanted a dog from Seth. Got that lined up. COVID happened. Um, so we couldn't go get that dog. Yeah, Seth Simpson, for anybody yeah. wondering. Yeah. Out in Idaho. Um, and then I was talking to the wife, and I was like, hey, you know, like we've got this wean that we've been hunting with just as like a companion dog, but I want I want to actually get a dog from Seth and uh if he has a litter out of this dog, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. I texted Seth, and I was like, hey, you have any litters? And he, it was a, the litter I was wanting. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, man, we're doing it. It was just, you know, like overnight, like I went from wanting a dog to, to having on a its dog way. on the way. <laughs> yeah. It's a, It's been awesome. I mean, you know, big learning curve. Um, I was, I talked to everybody I could, and everybody had a different answer about how to do stuff. I was tore up and worried about messing up and ruining the dog, but right. I think it's a, it's went really well. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you just run one dog, is that right? Well, we got uh, we got Rip, which is a dog from Seth, and we got Cash, which is our wean. And uh, shockingly enough, I mean, for for a wean that isn't bred, it really you know he's a, a pet quality dog, right? Um, over the two years of hunting with Rip, he's actually engaging coyotes and putting work in. So, how old are your dogs then? Uh, Rip is, I mean, like two years and maybe okay. six weeks. Yeah. And Cash is around four. Okay. And so, Rip, I would imagine, is probably like a terrier. Um, it's it's probably one of Seth's um, Idaho shag crosses of some sort. Yeah, he's a half Idaho shag, quarter jag, and quarter diamond pincher. Okay, yep. And then, and then, um, so two years. So how did you start both of them? Yeah, um, so Rip, you know, when we first got him, he was like six or eight weeks old around yeah. there, I think. Uh, we just stuck really hard with obedience, just your basic stuff, uh, making sure he wasn't gun shy. And taking him places, you know, exposing him to as much as we could to help build that first part of confidence. Right. And then, um, you know, like, plays with him a ton because his dog is all go and no stop. 
So we'd have uh, have the hide or a tail, play tug of war stuff like that. Um, and then we started, you know, working on the the six six command because that's what we use to get them to engage or like let them know there's a coyote. And that was super easy, you know. Like as you're playing with them, you just say six six. Right. And then um, we hit a hiccup, which I don't know if other people have done, but doing it like that made to where when we did say six six, he would look at us expecting us to have something. Oh, okay. So then we had to like I'd have my wife hide behind a tree with a hide tied to a piece of string, and so we'd be out in the yard. And I'd say six six, and get him to actually start looking for that movement somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Well, and so, and just a trick that I use a lot of times is a similar idea, but you can do it on your own. Take a long, 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 you know, baling twine or something, tie that tail on, onto that baling twine and just wrap around a tree. Then you can just pull it yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And, but it pulls it away from you. But that's exactly what you got to do is you just got to build that, you know, that, um, that idea of, of, uh, Time to go. Time to you know what? What am I after right now? So, so that's awesome. How? When did you start hunting, Rip? Um, so I think he hit roughly six months old. You nice. know, lost all of his puppy teeth around October, which mm-hmm. was later than what we would normally dog. But I have his dog sitting there that, in my mind, was to the point of ready to engage coyotes. Right. So I was like, you know, we're taking him. Um, and I mean, it, it wasn't about killing coyotes at this point. It was about putting coyotes in front of him and getting yep. him to chase them and engage. So we called in, you know, a double with a, like, prey distress. And instantly, the first coyote he saw, he was just all out chasing it. Yeah. And that's how it's been with every coyote since. So so in six months, he had no fear. He just no. was balls of the wall. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that is, again, a kind of a difference, I think, in, like, my blackmouth curs. It takes them, you know, a little over a year to actually gain that confidence to really go run one by themselves. Where I think that terrier uh, puts a little more, a uh, little more of the prey drive, you know, fight in them. Right. And that's, um, you know, I, I was kind of cautious because um, I knew he was going to be a really intense dog. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, coming having... from, from Seth, they're going to. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and he's a guy that's not going to let you, you know, BS you. He's going to say, look, this pup is over the wall aggressive, or this pup's not going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you have to respect that. Like, he's not out there just trying to sell pups. He's making sure they're going to the right people. Because Rip, if he went to the wrong person, like, that dog would be in a pound or back at Seth's or dead. Right. Um, so, like, I, I knew I wanted a dog that was going to be able to handle it, though. And yeah. that's why... I wanted a gritty dog, um, and it's, you know, we've had some hiccups, you know, I've talked to Seth a few times and stuff, but because the, the dogs live in the house. Oh, okay. You know, like, they're full-time house dogs. Sure. Um, when you have dogs like that in the house, you've got to have a strong hand and have rules that they have to abide by. Right. You have to be the dominant one. Yeah, Absolutely. So, and, and this is kind of a difference between us as well is, is my dogs aren't allowed in the house. They're, they're, they are a hunting tool, number one, and a pet, number two. And the, the pet part is, is quite a ways down from the, from the tool part. You know what I mean? The hunting, yeah, the absolutely. Tool. And I think, um, you know, some people will get their feathers ruffled about this, and that's fine. It's just speculation. But I feel like if you can live with a dog, 
that makes the dog hunt for you better. See, you know? and I, I will agree with you. I, even though I have my opinion on it, I will agree with you because I've said this before, but the, the decoy action is that dog is trying to be territorial of you. He's trying to keep the coyotes away, initially away from you. So living with you makes you more of his pack. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I agree with you in that sense. That's a, one other thing I like about having dogs in the house is like, I've seen guys take for dogs out of the kennel to go hunt and that dogs jumping five feet in the air and just wound right. up and right. you, know, you gotta, you gotta let them run circles for a half hour before they're listening. Right. My dogs, um, you know, where they're in the house and they're always doing stuff, they're just constantly ready to go and they're not overly worked up. Right. Very, very valid point. So give me an idea of your country. I mean, I've seen your videos, and let's shout out real quick your your uh, YouTube channel. Man, is it? It's Mangy Dog TV, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Mangy Dog TV on YouTube. Um, you describe your country and, and your environment that you typically hunt in. Yeah, we get a little bit of uh, everything. So our land to the north is pretty rolling hills, mostly timber. You get some open bridges and uh, creek bottoms then uh around us is you know timber and ag and then uh southwest is flatter with less timber more ag okay because you've been out here to idaho hunting with seth before is that right um i go out to hunt with craig oh craig sandy yeah yeah yeah. Uh, so what are the main differences uh, that you notice from, from hunting out west here and hunting primarily where you're at? I mean, I'll tell you, uh, I've never dogged out west, but I've hunted, um, you know, like Idaho, Nevada. Um, I've hunted Kansas. I've dogged in Kansas. And I haven't seen any difference between coyotes and the way they act. Okay. Um, Kansas, they don't engage the dogs as often. You're getting more of run off. But overall, for how things work, um, how they operate, I haven't seen a difference in any of it. Do you, do you think um, some of the differences are densities um, to where they, they kind of section off smaller areas and they want to keep everybody out? Um, like a decoy dog, uh, where out west, you know, their their range could be three, four miles possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah I've talked to so many people and racked my brain about why like Kansas used to be super hot and now I think we're at like last trip 50% engaged the dogs uh-huh. and uh, I really don't know you know like there's a thousand <laughs> good ideas on why that is but um, you know I'd, I'd be scared to say it out loud some people say that it's just because people have been dogging out for so long yeah um, some guys say it's because the population density. Some guys say because the uh, aggressive genetics have been killed out because the guy's dogging for so yeah. long. And I just, I, I honestly don't know. I'd love to know the truth, but I don't think we ever will know for sure. Well, and yeah, I, I don't know. How often have you hunted out there in Kansas? Is it quite a bit or just a bit? Um, I've made a trip last year and a trip this year for the dogs. Okay. So even, I mean, just in, that's, that's a relatively small sample size, right? I mean, yeah. maybe you just haven't hit those areas that, that are, you know, because again, even within a litter, coyote, you know, dogs are different. 
I'm sure it's the same with coyote. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you um, see it when you know you call in like a a quad. Yeah, it's you have one or two coyotes that are really aggressive, and the other yeah. ones stand back or just kind of feed off of those aggressive ones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we called in a quad last week, and not a single one of them worked the dogs, and we were 300 yards from the pups. Really? That's, uh, I'm surprised you see a quad. That's, it's unusual to see a quad right now out here where I'm at. Honestly. See, I see, a, I see most of my bigger groups this time of year. Yeah, that's impressive. I just don't we ever see a, that until fall, till early so fall. A group of five on Friday. Wow. Huh. I think I think it's you know you got like your your breeding pair and some helpers left over from last year. Yeah, yeah, very very possible. So so when you started Rip, um, you just took them out and left them loose and and just uh, did were you running collars on them or were you just whistling at them to get them back or? Yeah, we run the e collars that um, tone and shock. Yeah, and, and uh, I, on stand, I just let the dogs do if they want. I mean. They might run circles. They might uh, sit down by us. They might lay in the shade. They might sit by the call. They might dig a mouse nest. Yeah. And, you know, like, if a coyote comes in while they're digging a mouse nest, I just recall them, and they stick their head up, and they know, like, chances are if they're not doing anything, and they get recalled, there's a coyote coming in, they start looking. Yep. Either that or if they're close enough, they and you can say, then, I mean, that's their trigger, right? Again, they pick their head up and... And they're looking so uh and that's i think that's the hardest part for people to understand so i've had multiple decoy dogs now right and pretty much each one of them is completely different dog and what i've had to understand and what i've had to try to relay to other people you know starting let the dog be who he is or what he is on stand don't try to give him commands don't try to just let him be a dog the two commands you want him to to know on stand is and to come back however you recall that's it just otherwise let them be a dog like i said i i had a female that would sit right next to me and just scan with me you know what i mean head always up super intense and then i've had like my rip dog right now he's out you know farting around smelling everything rolling pissing scraping um and i don't know which type i prefer honestly uh, I liked that my female sat by me. It gave me an extra pair of eyes in case something came in from, you know, hard ride or something. She always sat on my right side. Um, hard ride or whatever. I didn't teach her to do that. But uh, uh, I don't know what type I, which type I uh, prefer. But I've always let them be who they're going to be on stand. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, you know, if you, you have these guys that want to force their dog to, like, sit down next to them. And if your dog doesn't want to do that, you're taking away the initial enjoyment of just being out there for the dog. Yep. You know, just let them be a dog and have cops come in and have them go work. Yep, exactly. Uh, so you said that you were watching YouTube videos uh, on the dog. And do you remember who that was or what that was? Um, that time frame, I'm going to say it was probably some of Tony Tebby with um, – Gosh, that dog that he used to have, and then um, Jeff Wright probably. Okay. See, with me it was Les Johnson when when Gunner um, he was out on a pivot or something, but Gunner uh, interacted with a uh, with a coyote. You know, they they tangled right there. 
Uh, and yep. after that, I was hooked. I thought, yeah, this is something that <laughs> that uh, that I've got to get into. How, how's decoying changed? Hey, you said you didn't hunt coyotes very much prior to? Um, I think we hunted coyotes for five years before we, uh, like hard for five years before we got the dogs. Did you summer hunt before dogs? Yep. Okay. So you still hunted year round? Yeah, we pretty much hunt. So like most of our ground around here is either deer hunt or leased for deer hunting. Because I mean, you guys have a lot of public. Pretty oh, much 99% of our ground is private. Oh, yeah. So in deer season, we lose a lot of land access. Um, but, you know, summertime, everything's open. So we hunt a lot of that and then pretty much try to hunt what we can all year and take March off. Oh, yeah. Are, are farmers and ranchers uh, pretty pretty open to you coming out there when you knock on a door? Yeah, everybody wants them uh, hunted, but no one wants to trust you on their farm. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a story about how uh, someone shot a cow or left the gate open yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Well, and I think out here, I've run into this before where, you know, the, the farmer or rancher, ranchers primarily out here, uh, where I hunt, but um, I I make it very clear to them that I'm not asking for deer hunting. I'm not asking for sage grouse hunting. I'm not asking for elk. I'm not asking for antelope. It is strictly coyote. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I, absolutely. I, it, now, if if it comes to I get a pronghorn tag or a deer tag or whatever, I might go ask them. You know if I can, but it's specific for the species at the time. You know what I mean? And I think a yeah. lot of them appreciate that because I've heard stories of where, yeah, well, yeah, they said that they could go hunting for coyotes, you know, one year. And then four years later, that same guy's back, hasn't talked to the rancher yet, but he got permission to hunt coyotes four years ago. So now he's out there looking for deer. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's just, uh, I think that's one thing that, that uh, can make you, uh, make you or break you when asking to, uh, to hunt on a, just overall ranch. relationships. I mean, I talk yeah. to my landowners constantly. Um, yeah. It's not just kind of come hunt. Right. You know, um, I work at a distillery. I get bottles of bourbon that on the, the secondary market go for $2,000. And yeah. I'll give them to landowners for free. You know, yeah. I, mean, I don't drink, so what am I going to do with it? Right. Then I, uh, I always talk to them before I come out. Every right. farm, even if I can go out without talking to them. I will always talk to them. 100%. You know, that goes a long way because then I've got guys that told me I can't hunt. They find out I hunt, you know, the farm down the road. And they talk to them. Then they call me back and say, hey, come hunt. Yeah. Well, and I think what you said is very super valid just because, uh, like I said, on the landowners that I hunt on, the private ground, I mean, it's way up in the hills, right? I mean, chances are I'm probably not going to run into them. But I don't want to run into them without them knowing I was going to be there in the first place. You know what I mean? Right. So it's as simple shooting a text, hey, are you all right with me going to such and such, you know, area tomorrow? I'll be in a white pickup, you know, white Ford pickup, and I'll have the dogs. You know what I mean? And I have had landowners say, well, I've got pairs in there, so I don't want you in there because because I'm running the dogs, which is fine. My dogs hunt around pairs all the time. But I go with whatever their comfort level is. And I think yeah, that you, just goes you always along follow way. their rules. I mean, it's simple stuff like park here. Yep. You know, like do this, do that. And if you're gonna let me go on your farm, or you've got 
you know, hundreds of thousand dollars of beef walking around or crops, stuff yep. like that. I'll follow your rules. Yep. And see, I had a guy, a rancher actually a week and a half ago tell me that, uh, that he didn't want me in a specific field just because the last time he let a coyote hunter in there, it, the guy wasn't even using dogs. But the last time he let a coyote hunter in there, you know, the, the mama cows picked up their calves and sprinted to the end of the other end of the field. And he just didn't want to put that stress on him. And I get it. I 100% get it. Um, but like I said, it's just about that respect. So where you're 90 whatever percent private, you probably have to have a lot, a lot of, cause you hunt a lot, dude. I see your videos all the time. Right. And I see you posting all the time. Uh, you have to have a bunch of area, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the average, you know, there's a lot, there's some that's a lot bigger, but the average private farm is roughly 100 acres. Oh, dude, you can call 100 acres on a quarter volume. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like, the biggest secret about how to kill a lot of coyotes, especially around here, but really anywhere, is just you have to have the ground to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 acres of land access. Yeah. So do you a lot of times get permission from one guy, but then since it, since it's only a 100 acre, you know, average or whatever, most of the other farms around you, you're just trying to call them off those other farms? Yeah, so um, when I sit down with Onyx and every March I knock on like 50 doors. Yeah. Um, I sit down with Onyx and try to figure out what farms I want to hunt. I'll find them. And then if those guys tell me no, I'll knock on the neighbor's doors. Right. Because you, you can know, call off their place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a big rancher that, that told me no. So I just, I knew he was all our BLM all around him. So I was hundred yards off his fence and just called off of him. But yeah. Anyway. Uh, so back to, uh, Back to your dogs. Um, have you seen other dogs? Are you interested in other types of dogs, or are you pretty well sold on on uh, Seth's uh, program there? Man, um, I think there's not a whole lot of people that will say Seth produces bad dogs. Oh, 100%. Um, there's a lot of dudes that produce good dogs, too. I'm not saying Seth's the end-all, be-all, the only guy that has good dogs. But above that, I like Seth. Yeah, you know, um, he's I a like good dude. Seth. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, down to like his values. I just I like that about him. Um, so I think what we're going to do is probably in a couple years, me and Seth are going to sit down, look at what females he has, and uh, breed rip to one of his females. Oh yeah, because I know I he's just, been spun some some stag in his uh, lately too. Yeah, some stag hound. I'm just I'm weird like. Rip's our first actual decoy dog. I want to keep those genetics for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fun uh, to get one that you attack attach to and just works for you. Because, uh, like I said, I've I've gone through I don't know how many dogs, and there's some that I just couldn't didn't work for me. You know what I mean? So when you find yeah, the absolutely. good ones, uh, but now that being said. To some degree, I think every dog will decoy. It just depends on what your standard of decoy is. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, someone might have a dog that someone else thinks is trash. Yep. But to them, you know, he's doing amazing. I mean, people might not like Rip 
because he'll chase a coyote out of the county compared to like cash but they're not just one dog that stands there and looks at them and barks a little bit and yeah yeah it's all about what you want so how many times do you uh do you, do you try to get a certain amount of decoys before you take a coyote or or what's your standard on on stand what, what i try to for? base it off the coyote itself right um like we had one in kansas that came in really hesitant you know like sat down a few times and watched the dogs and the dogs couldn't see it finally got to come into the dogs the dogs chased it and it took like 10 minutes for the coyotes to come back into the field yeah and it's like that that coyote might leave again and never come back um so we shot it but then you get ones that you just hear like this coyote's never gonna leave and we're right. we've let them work for 15 minutes before yeah and it's just like you know the dogs are absolutely wore out um, yeah. the coyotes are starting to drift a little bit so we're shooting so yesterday i was out on stand and i had one that was hot i mean just he was he and rip got into it maybe what 30 40 yards in front of me you know a couple of times and he would have decoyed longer but he came in that last time he came in dead downwind of me and i thought you know if anything's gonna boogie him out and he's gonna be done it's gonna be now so i did think that there was a chance even after being downwind he'd probably still decoy but i made that executive decision just to you know what i mean it's time it's time to go yeah uh, absolutely i mean it's it's a big gamble but we've had a lot of coyotes end up circling us and getting downwind, and they still decoyed. Didn't matter. Yeah, dude, actually, it was either the second or third time I ever decoyed with with uh, with Coda, my old female. She, uh, I had one come in, decoyed a little bit, and killed her, and there was a bigger one standing behind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, he came in after I killed the one, after a couple of decoys, and then he left straight downwind. And and I knew he was the older, I knew he was a more mature male, be, just size-wise, right? He was just a bigger coyote. I thought, well, I lost him. He came back in, and I killed him at 22 yards or something like that, straight downwind. And I thought, this is freaking crazy. This is what the decoy dog does. Um, but anyway. Yeah, it's, it's wild hell. You know, everybody knows how coyotes are about smelling you, but if they're working with dogs, a lot of times it doesn't matter. Well, and here's the funny thing. So, you know, and I've heard a lot of ranchers say this, but when you're out riding and gathering cattle and whatnot, I mean, I've even seen it where where we're, we're pushing cows and coyotes are trying to mess with your dogs. There's no way that coyote doesn't know a human's there. You know what I mean? But he's more focused on the dog while you're pushing a cow let alone while you're out there actually trying to to get some action um so i don't know what it is but they just they lose presence of mind or or they just don't care you know what i mean they maybe they just don't think they're being hunted i don't know but i've had so many coyotes that 100 percent know we're there you know like come up 10 feet away and stare at you yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's fun though do you do a lot of competitions? No. Um, I think I've only hunted one in my life. It just, you know, with trying to get film and, like, keep content consistently, right. it doesn't go well with competition hunting if you're trying to be competitive. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say is, you know, in, in these competitions you're trying to knock out 20-some stands in a day where yesterday, like I said, on that one stand, 
I didn't care to even pull the trigger until about 20 minutes in. Right. Uh, I didn't even get behind the gun until about 20 minutes in. You know what I mean? I just like seeing the action. So I was just curious if if uh, if you change strategy, if if you do take your dog on on competitions. I don't know if they allow them back there or not. but uh, It just depends on the, the competition. Really, we don't have very many summer competitions. I think every, every winter there's like three or four. Just little local. Who can yeah, get the it's most weird. And... It uh, seems like there's been fewer and fewer people showing up for the uh, competitions in the winter every year. Yeah, which is weird to me because with COVID, every Joe Schmo went out and bought a, a call, you know what I mean, and spent more time out in the out uh, hunting, I, f- I feel, at least out here in our area. So I thought competitions might have uh, increased. But yeah, I think I'm, you're right. I think they did decrease. 100% there's more people hunting. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's just people like not wanting to do it because they don't feel like they could be competitive. But with night season now, I think uh, you'll probably see more people start hunting them. Yeah. Do you night hunt at all? No. Um, I've dabbled. Like, I've night hunted some here in Kentucky. Um, I've done it some out west. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's not my thing. I can't get good video at night. And it's so fun watching the dog action during the yeah, day. Yeah, and overall, like, I think my wife's pretty. If I'm going to do something at night, I'm going to probably be at the house, not Oh. Chasing coyotes around, being tired. Yeah. Does your wife go with you? Yeah, she is. She films like 99% of our hunts. Oh, nice. And you said you got a, a son, right? Does he go with you? Yeah. Um, he's pretty much on every hunt, um, trying to yeah. test our patience. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then in the fall, when we put the dogs up, he shoots. Oh, okay. So now that brings up another. So you don't take the dogs all all winter long? No, um, so we're probably put the dogs up. I hate doing it. I know. We're probably put the dogs up mid, early September, and okay. then we're bringing Just back out when comes season on. starts. Does fur come on mid-October like it does out here? or What was that? Does fur come on out there about mid-October like it does out here, or is yeah. it early later? Yeah, but we don't have the market you guys do for... Dude, they were twelve dollars this last year. There's no market out here either. <laughs> I think guys around here would be happy for twelve dollars. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and, and Utah still has that bounty. I wish I I was over there a little bit more, but. Uh, so, and that's that was you know coming up on my other questions or were the year round thing. You know, some guys like I was. Um, talked to somebody the other day who asked me, and I said, yeah, you know, I'll usually take one or two, but I'll, I do shoot the coyotes quicker. I don't even try to let decoy action happen. You know what I mean? I try to knock them down before the dog gets to them or the coyote sees the dog because they're just going to run off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, I, the, I don't like that for our dogs. Like, I could take Cash the wean, and he'd be fine with doing that. But Rip, I've noticed, he really enjoys the end state on shooting on that coyote. Yep. And, and I think it kind of ruins them a little bit. Yeah, and if you have them, like a couple coyotes in a row that don't decoy well and you kill them quick, he gets to where he doesn't want to engage as many times. Yeah. You know, he'll go out, like bring them back and sit there and just wait for you to shoot them. Yep. And see, it's funny you say that because my old dog, Coda, um, that I used to have, she, uh, the older she got, 
she'd go out on one decoy and then come back and just be like, all right, dude, time for you to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, but I, th- I don't know if that was a product of age or a, a combination of age and, you know, I'd, I'd take her on the winter uh, with me. But uh, yeah, we got him out of that though, pretty good now. So yeah, I've been I've been really happy with how he's done this year. Yeah, nice. Hmm. So what are your plans? Are are you uh, you gonna get another dog, or are you uh, just gonna wait till Rip's old enough or good enough? To, or I shouldn't say good enough to the point where you're gonna breed with one of Seth's dogs and just get one of those pups, or what are your plans there? Oh man. Uh... I think we're going to wait until we can get him bred with yeah. one of Seth's. But in the meantime, I've got to buy a new house. Oh. Um, I drive a Tacoma. The bed of a Tacoma is not big enough for two of the like dog boxes we use. Yeah. So I'll have to get a new truck. <laughs> um, so I need a new house and a new truck. Your your hobby's costing you, what, about oh, 400 grand just by, by having to, it to upgrade the house and the rig, huh? I know. I mean, I'd like to just put a flatbed on the Tacoma, but that's eight thousand right there. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's in the works. You know, that's a what we'd like to have happen and what we'd like to accomplish to make it happen. Do you remember your first decoy stand? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell tell me about that. We uh, it was the first like legitimate one where like you know the coyotes worked and stuff. It was April on this farm down the road and I had maybe two cops just popped out of this like little finger that had like 12 trees in it you know they were like 80 yards away mm-hmm. and uh, I hit pup stress they came running in and it was it was wild man uh, the female just stayed off in the distance and watched but this male was non-stop I mean Rip's chasing him he's spinning around trying to grab Rip and they're tussling and rip comes back that coyote follows him back and like hits the brakes like five feet away from rip rip goes after him and it was just constant like that for almost 20 minutes i mean rip was so tired at the end of it he was laying down chin on that coyote after we shot it <laughs> um, do you remember uh, do you do you remember what sounds you were playing? You said that you howled, but then did you go to a, a distress? Uh, I just remember I hit, you know, those coyotes popped up and spooked me. Oh. So I just hit uh, the very first pup distress the remote got to. Are you, and you're running Lucky Duck, is that right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and and Rick's got some, some awesome sounds for I mean, I, I think any pup distress or fight he has will kill a coyote. Well, and that's that's the thing too is I think uh, you know there's a lot of great sounds out there, and uh, but uh, if you get them hooked on the dog, all you have to do the sound the the your call is is just a backup really to after the interaction with the dog is happening. All it is 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 just a instigator, maybe you know what I mean, something to egg them on a little bit. Like yesterday, yeah, we, we try to mute it, and um, once the dogs kind of like run them off or the coyotes start to drift we just turn a fight bump back it. on for yep, just 10, bump it 10 15 seconds yep that's exactly right so yesterday that's exactly what happened too is that coyote was kind of starting to trot over the hill 
just bump on a, a fight and boy right back in the action but uh do you do you play a lot of vocals year round vocals being fights and and howls or uh or once you put the dogs away do you switch up so when we put the dogs away it's normally about the time we're switching up to a uh, prey distress yeah and then leading in the breeding season you know we got a little more vocals in there but once uh once breeding season actually like kicks off we switch back to 100 percent coyote based sounds and bring the dogs back out yeah you know i i once in a while if i get nothing at the end of a stand i mean so i don't know if you can want to talk about this a little bit but um if i'm on a dry stand in the summer right at the end i'll turn on just a goat distress or a fawn distress something like that um but I've never, I don't think I've ever had anything come in to something like that late in the stand um, that is really dogged, you know, once they do come in. Everything that's, that comes in for me anyway out here during decoy season is under 10 minutes, and it's always to a, a fight or a howl. Yeah, I think that's, I track all the coyotes we call in, I have for years, and I think Almost every coyote is under 10 minutes. Yep. And I think I shorten my stands during the summer just because of that. You know, um, I if I don't have anything respond in 8, 10 minutes, like I said, I'll hit that goat for about, uh, you know, minute, minute and a half, and then I'm out of there. I'm not going to sit around where during the winter, a lot of times I'll stay 15 to 20 minutes when I'm distress calling. Yeah, I mean, we're normally just doing a stand or two before I go to work. So, with that, I'll I'll normally run every stand fifteen minutes. But if yeah. I was trying to cover a lot of ground, I'd probably stay under ten. Um, if I had to cut it short, just because of the uh, the odds of how many coyotes we call in before ten minutes. Yeah, and I heard you mention on the uh, on Jeff Nimick's podcast that they, uh, you know, you're almost a little bit jealous because we can just stay on the same two-track road and go down another two miles <laughs> you know when you've come out hunting with craig but over there yeah. it's not that way is it you got to jump around the farms yeah i mean i just drove 40 minutes to check and see if beans were planted yet on the farm <laughs> you know <laughs> and then from that farm i think my closest farm is i've got a few within 10 minutes and then from there the next closest one's 20 minutes away yeah and see we drive we'll drive you know i'll drive 30 40 minutes to my first stand but after that i can be i can be 10 minutes in between every stand on a two track going 20 miles an hour right so but are there a lot of doggers out there in your area that you know of no um western kentucky's got a couple guys i think that's it yeah you know maybe heck you got me Rodney's in Western Kentucky. I can't really think of anybody else in the state. Do you get a lot of people interested in what you're doing when you're talking to them about it, or is it just kind of casual, polite conversation type stuff? Yeah, I think everybody likes it. Um, or I get death threats. You know, there's no in between. Yeah. yeah. You bring dogs into the mix, man, and emotions get hot. Yeah. You know, they. I think it's just ignorance. They don't understand. They think we're like forcing our dogs to do this. Well, and I think they're they're thinking like uh, we're Michael Vick dog fighting, 
right? And that's yeah. not the case. I mean, and unless there's a, like, I mean, Rip did tangle with a couple that one yesterday a couple of different times, but it was brief engagement, you know, where they actually kind of got locked up a little bit. But um, but otherwise, unless it's w- wounded, accidentally wounded, and by all means, we none of us shoot them to try to wound them so our dogs can go fight a wounded coyote, right? That's just the unfortunate part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you, I try to explain to a guy because I had a video where uh, I made a not perfect shot, you know, and the spine of this coyote facing away. It's like the bullet oh, went yeah. through, and you know it. It was going to kill that coyote. Right, he's gonna run back. 60 yards and and probably topple but yeah well he uh this guy like dropped because you know back legs weren't working at that point right. and rip killed it but the coyote was dying anyway so like it was gonna die either way but i tried to explain to this guy because he was talking about how unethical that was and i was like that coyote could have crawled into a ditch where i couldn't get a follow-up shot yeah or crawled into a ditch somewhere where i couldn't find it or my dog can kill it in a couple seconds right you know dog seems a lot more ethical than losing that coyote and having it suffer for who knows how long well and it's even more ethical than than you on the five minute walk it takes you to walk up there right right the dogs already had have it that dispatched in 30 seconds or a minute yeah that's what's funny it's i don't know if it's because it's canine and canine but think about how many duck dogs bring back live ducks right. you know no one blinks an eye about it yeah that's that's a very good point you know imagine if you could train a lab to snap the neck on a duck right you know that'd be dynamite because <laughs> that's what our dogs are doing i mean they just throw them or get grab the back of their neck and start shaking i mean it'll be yeah. over quick I, I mean i understand like some of the things that happen on stand aren't super awesome you know that's just part of it but people get distant from the reality of nature and what's going on they just don't i don't know if they don't understand it or they don't care to understand it but what we're doing is not this horrible bloodthirsty sport right yeah and and there's a balance i mean yeah let's be honest i don't want to kill every coyote because then my my therapy is gone. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm yeah. Out, I mean, I'm out there to, to do the best I can, have interaction with the dogs, and, and, and uh, you know, help with some, some fawns and, and whatnot. But let's be honest. I, the fawns is kind of a secondary thing. It's more my therapy, to, just to be honest with you, just to get yeah, out I mean, with the dogs. I, I'm dogging in April. If I have two coyotes show up, and one I can tell is nursing pups, you know, that coyote might not get shot. Because mm-hmm. that's that's more coyotes in the fall for me to call in. Do you um, do you notate? Do you keep records of, of things like that? So, for instance, you, you go out, you know you, you kill uh, the lead coyote on a pair. You know what I mean? It's a male, the female runs off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do you do you try to remember where you were at and maybe give it three or four months but, so you can go back and hit it in the fall? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even like in the summer, if I hunt a farm and I call in a male that works really well, yep. I'll hunt that farm again in three or four weeks because I'm pretty confident there's, you know, traditionally if there's a den in the area, I'll just assume there's another coyote there somewhere. Yep. Um, 
and it's worked out really well. You know, I've killed it's it's weird, man. So last year in April, I killed a double. One was a big male. One was a female that was kind of wet, but she didn't look like she was actively nursing. Okay. And uh, I talked to some people, and like Rick said that sometimes those female helpers will yeah. do like this weird thing where they're lactate, even though they didn't have the pups because they're okay. around. You know that other female that had pups and her hormones get weird. And sure enough, I went back like six weeks later and called in an adult female pups. Really? Huh. So it was just a wet nurse that, like I said, was just kind of helping out. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Your mangy dog. So did you immediately start videoing as soon as you were decoying? Or did you do, were you videoing before you got into decoying? Um, I, I was filming before decoying. I started hunting a little bit. And like realized I loved it, yeah. And then uh, I tried like the tactic cam and stuff like that, yeah. And I had this stand. I killed my first double, and it was just you know, it was awesome the way it worked out. Yeah. I was like, man, uh, I need I, like I need to start filming hunts. And so that's what we started to do. And I went through the you know tactic cam GoPros, all that, and just yeah. realized I wanted to produce a higher quality video. So we spent a little bit of money and got a camera and started working through those growing pains. Did uh, what's the biggest challenges between decoying and uh, and before you were decoying? I think. Uh, or is it easier? Well, parts of it are. I think killing coyotes is easier. You know, like if you're not <laughs> dogging, if you're patient, you got, <laughs> if you get a coyote coming burning into the call, you're worried about like you know getting it stops shooting yeah. it all yeah. this stuff if i'm if i got the dogs like i don't even touch my rifle i just see the coyote and i tell the dogs about it you know nothing that's one thing i love is nothing is rushed when you've got yeah. the dogs i know <laughs> um you know you just take your time everything's slow but the difficult part is getting that mindset that you're not killing these coyotes you yeah. know like i said we call a coyote in and it's not gonna work i'm not shooting it you know, and it's getting okay with that to where it doesn't even upset you. Like, the dog's engaged, I'm happy. You know, the yeah. coyote didn't work, we didn't kill it. That doesn't matter. So so for you, was that the hardest? Did you have a hard time transitioning into the decoying of of uh, don't kill the coyote too quick? I don't think it was that hard of a transition. Um, I, I was actually shocked about how fluid it was. Yeah. Because I think for me that was the biggest thing, and and a lot of times the guys that I talk to that that's the biggest thing is you know, just uh, just being patient and just trusting that that decoy action will work. And if it doesn't work, fine. You know, like you said, if it didn't decoy, no big deal. Just don't get upset by it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of shooting some coyotes a little quick, but I think that's the biggest piece of advice for guys starting a dog. And try, and trying to produce like a good dog is don't shoot yeah you know like it doesn't matter if you don't kill the first 25 coyotes you call into that dog give that dog as much exposure and time to work as you can right and obviously the reward at the end for the dog is being able to to you know get on that that dead coyote but right. at the same time i've also had dogs that they won't touch them once when they're dead they'll engage them when they're when they're alive but 
once once uh, that that gun rips and they run out to it and figure out that it's not going anywhere, they move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. So I think it depends on the dog too what their actual reward is. But well, man, I sure appreciate you jumping on with us. Uh, how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to uh, talk decoying in your area or get into it a little bit? Um. Reach out on Facebook. I've got, you know, my personal Facebook page. It's sure. Joey Hartley. I've got the Mangy Dog TV Facebook page. Instagram's under my name. Um, all those will be easy ways to reach out and get a hold of me. I'd like to thank Joe for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, make sure to check out his his uh, YouTube channel, Mangy Dog TV. Get a hold of him if you're back east and want to uh, get a hold of a good dogger. Anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Good dogs.